Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, and today I'm joined by Dave King, covering the Suns over at Bright Side of the Sun for SB Nation. He's also part of the Sun Solar Panel Podcast as well. Dave, how are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing great, doing great. I, I, I think I have an inkling of what we're going to talk about here on this Oh, yeah. This I mean, might be some mention of cash considerations. You never know. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so it's actually really funny. I, uh, I, I have the great, um, the great pleasure of being followed by the Aaron Baines fan account. I don't know if you do, I'm assuming <laughs> oh, yeah. you do, but I, oh, yeah. yeah, I do some stuff on my own side website and I wrote one, one nice <laughs> thing about the Suns, and, and, and I got the follow. So it's been a, been a pleasure ever since, man. He's, What's funny he's, is he's a, he's actually a, uh, I think he's a Celtics fan or at least he's from Boston. Cause that's, that's where I think the fan account started was when Baines was when the, with the Celtics. And so he's just followed the whole thing out to out to Arizona, but he's definitely he's been his own fan club account for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. he's so funny, man! I love his stuff. Yeah. You, you can find I swear he has like notifications up for everything, just right. gets on everything. Um, but you know, going into stuff first, I mean, yeah, we can we can talk about T.J. Warren a little bit. Our, well, our how own. he comes out with you know Aaron Baines shot a hundred percent from the field in the finals. So has anyone, no one's shot better than Aaron Baines from the field in the finals. And he was in one finals and he took two shots, but <laughs> exactly. You got to so find a small sample size, you know, it's a <laughs> it blow up in a proportion, right? No, it's uh it's, it's funny. as hell. you guys have actually been missing him quite a bit. I think, I mean, yeah. it just by my perspective, I feel like yeah. um, I w- we'll get to it later, but Aiden has been a huge upgrade on the defense end this year. It just my watching compared to last year. Um, yeah, but yeah, is, is he coming back in the bubble anytime soon? Or Aaron Baines is actually in the bubble, and uh, just barely broke, got out of the quarantine time the day before their first game last Friday. And the problem is that now they're no longer doing five-on-five practices because games are every other day, mm-hmm. and the coach is worried that uh, you can't put a guy on the floor if he hasn't played in a five-on-five practice. So, if the Suns found um, the energy yesterday to have five on five to give Baines a little bit of court time then he might play today I expect he'll show up at some point playing unless especially now that the Suns are two and oh worst case two and one going into the weekend you know um, going into the Pacers game and such so I think the Suns are going to keep playing all their guys there was a chance if you start out zero and three maybe you do like uh, Brooklyn's doing now which I hate actually because Brooklyn's already in the playoffs and what I saw this morning is they're going to rest 
the only good players they have left, they're going to rest them against the Bucks today in the game before, in the uh, two-day being Tuesday, um, when we're recording this. And uh, um, the Bucks play the Nets in, in the game right before Suns versus Clippers. So um, the Bucks are already resting the only guys they have left, and they're already missing half a dozen guys, period, from the bubble. And I think that's really disrespectful, especially since they're guaranteed to be in the playoffs because Washington is even worse. So um, I think this that's tough. And what I found, what I um, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Oh, no, you're good. Here, but what I what I found is that uh, we were all worried. How are teams that are in the playoffs going to handle the seeding games? Those eight seeding games. And there was some thought in Suns world because the Suns um, schedule is not against the other teams fighting for that eighth spot in the West. They're against uh, teams that are already in the playoffs. Um, so there was thought that maybe teams would actually kind of coast through the seeding games and not try real hard, and then maybe the Suns could sneak out a 6-2 and two record and then, you know, keep everybody happy. Mm. But it, as it's actually happening is all these teams are so starved for actual competitive basketball that they're all busting their butts every single game. The games have been great, their, man. Their games have been awesome. And I've been watching as much as I can. I've watched more basketball in the past week or two weeks than I probably did all season of, of other teams, non-Suns teams, you know? So <clears throat> it's been really fun. These guys just love basketball, love competitive situations. So long story short, back to Aaron Baines. The dude is so competitive. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get into games, uh, but he just got over coronavirus and barely even ran up and down his street two days before he flew to Orlando to get in the bubble. So, um, I don't know what kind of physical shape he's in, but you know what? Um, he might be better than Frank Kaminsky, no matter what. He does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not, you know, I, I, it's funny because I was in I was in college at Michigan State the same time that that Frank the Tank was going off, and I think it was a senior year at Wisconsin. But yeah, he uh, he just has not found his foot in the NBA quite yet. He's like decent well, sometimes, the but dude, he just can't move his feet. That, yeah. Okay, look, I love Frank. I love his personality. He tries hard. He's got a swag about him that comes from four years at Wisconsin, you know, and, and I think it was Wisconsin. Yeah. God, I hope I'm right. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, four years at Wisconsin with him and Sam Decker and, and going through and winning, you know, I think they won that year. At least they made the finals. Um, I know they beat U of A, and that's all that really matters because I'm an ASU fan. But, um, no, Frank tries really hard, but he just doesn't have the physical mobility to keep up with guys. Chris Tapps Porzingis embarrassed him uh, on – Sunday night in that game, uh, Suns against Dallas. Matt that was Ray. a hell of a game, man. I just got finished watching that this morning. I finally got caught up on it. Oh, I just couldn't believe it, man. When Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden had five fouls apiece with seven and a half minutes left in the third, and the Suns were already down 11 to 15 points, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be so embarrassing. And then all of a sudden, the bench comes back, and Frank was part of that, to his credit. Frank scored six points during that 25 to nine run. Um, he tries. He tries. He just doesn't have the foot speed to stay with with the other guys as much as we need him to because uh, the Suns' defense is really built around switching. Uh, you, your bigs have to be a little bit mobile, and that's a struggle for guys like Dario and, and, and guys like that. And so what they've mostly employed is on pick and roll, they'll do a drop coverage where the center drops back into the paint, and Portland did that for years to great success without good defense. They were still found them found their way into the top 10 in defense for years doing this kind of D, which is not 
uh, DeAndre Ayton a necessity for him because he can move his feet. But for guys like Frank and Dario and Aaron Baines, it's helpful. It was just tough. Frank couldn't even stay with that defense well enough. Um, the drop where you just drop into the paint, he still got run by. So I'd rather have Baron Baines than that. Um, and I love Frank, but he's just he just can't keep up. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's tough with especially how the league's involved and everything, man. Um, it's so you know one thing we do got to cover before we get started. We, you know, we talked about it a little bit uh, before we came on talking about TJ Warren. Um, I think Ooh. one thing I definitely want to talk about for sure. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I try and be really unbiased when looking at stuff and kind of give more of a fair perspective. Um, I think there are two ways to look at it. Number one, uh, it's obviously hindsight is twenty twenty because he's had the best season of his career. Uh, he really picked things up on the defensive end. Um, I remember I talked to a couple of his assistant coaches when I was writing an article. And I don't know if you remember Marlon Garnett. He was there probably two or three years ago. I think Earl Watson's last year. Um, and yeah. he just talks about how the culture shift was huge for, for TJ in his opinion, because he works for the Hawks now and he's seen him a couple of times. Um, so I think the way that I look at it is, yeah. and it's what the Pacers always do. They're, they're really great at finding guys who maybe aren't thriving in a certain system and they're able to, you know, rebrand them in, in Indiana. So I think if you look at the way that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Phoenix has had their best year since the year they went 48 and 34 and didn't make the playoffs. Um, by far. So oh, yeah, yeah, this is definitely their best year since that. And they do have a, they have a good future. And the big, big turnaround has been the low key nature of James Jones as GM. And then um, uh, Monty Williams being hired as the, as the full-time long-term head coach that has made it so that the Suns are now the team that can develop dudes who hadn't developed in the past and including the guys who were already on the roster as well as, so I think in this environment, if you know, uh, history being rewritten if TJ had not been traded and they decide to stay with him and say maybe not draft Cam Johnson for example because uh, they wanted to draft a stretch guy who could eventually grow into the four role and Cam's already there by the way we'll talk about that uh, related to the Pacers game but um, TJ see here's the thing TJ this TJ the one who plays who scored 53 points on Saturday and 30 34 points on Monday um, that is basically the same TJ we had in Phoenix, except that this TJ is actually trying on defense. Nobody tried on defense in Phoenix for three years, and TJ just became part of that culture. And so while fans were frustrated that TJ did not help to break the culture, he only went along with the culture that was there, um, he was also a victim of it, and nobody tried on defense, and so they all looked terrible. So imagine TJ with his wonderful offensive skills, okay? You put him uh, next to another guy who can't or won't play defense in Devin Booker. And Devin plays defense this year, but he didn't play defense until this year. Um, that's a bad combination, especially before TJ became a three-point shooter. I know this year, look, he made, what, uh, seven or nine threes on Saturday. Nine. Yeah, he won nine, nine or 12. Yeah. Yeah, this is the same TJ who that's about as many threes as he'd make in an entire season in his first four years in the league. He just isn't, he wasn't a guy who took threes. He, you know, his wonderful mid-range game, his transition game is just he'd throw himself. The problem with TJ is he'd throw himself away from contact so acrobatically so much in Phoenix that he would end up hitting his head on the ground and he had a concussion at least once a year. Um, where he'd, he'd miss some games because he'd end up landing on his head and not getting a foul call because even the refs knew he wasn't getting – he just was so acrobatic. Loved watching him. 
But um, the combination of him next to Devin Booker was like uh, giving up 160 points a night. So it was tough back then. In this environment, TJ would have thrived with the Suns. And, and actually, I might like him better than, uh, God forbid, Suns fans listening to this, but I might like him better than Kelly Oubre, except that Kelly Oubre has a great personality, which the Suns needed. So Devin Booker's kind of quiet. DeAndre Ayton's kind of quiet. Everybody on the team is kind of quiet. You probably have seen TJ's kind of TJ's right? maybe the quietest dude I think I've ever seen in an interview. And I felt so bad for him when he'd be forced to do a post-game interview uh, because he's a mumbler, right? And mm-hmm. he would do it even more so because he gets nervous in front of the cameras, or he used to anyway. And he would talk so fast that we would literally have to transcribe his, his quotes later after, you know, in a quiet room and not follow up on any of his comments because we didn't know what he said um in in the squad <laughs> um so i think he's gotten better because i saw him do an interview after that game on saturday and he was he was actually clear um so good for him no this tj would be great he um it just went sour and uh he wasn't a great fit next to devin booker having said all that you don't trade him for nothing but what i think what uh james jones did who has no experience as a gm okay in the league and very few actual connections with other gms in the league he has great player connections, agent connections, but he doesn't have great GM connections. So there was talk that he hadn't even, he didn't even really, really do the round of calls to all the other GMs when he took the job over from Ryan McDonough to introduce himself and set up connections and stuff like that. He just didn't even call people because he knew the season. Now uh, you guys in Indiana, you don't know this, but Ryan McDonough was fired during preseason after he had, had drafted DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges in that final draft and gave the Suns, um, the top point guard on the Suns roster was Isaiah Kanan. Do you know who Isaiah Kanan yeah, is? Yeah, this is, I remember him from his like Bulls years. Yeah, well, his Bulls years, he was a barely backup shooting guard. Okay, yeah. So um, that was the best point guard on the roster when, when Ryan McDonough went into preseason after drafting DeAndre Ayton and after having Devin Booker uh, approach, you know, uh, being a good player on a again could be on a good team kind of guy, and he still set up the roster for failure. So he got fired in preseason. Finally, James Jones took over. Too late to do any real roster moves, so he didn't even bother calling the other GMs. I'm I'm digressing here a little bit to set up the James didn't have a lot of connections, and so what I think really happened is they said, look, we need roster space to actually get a point guard. We can't have guys like Isaiah Kanan being our starting point guard going into a season anymore. We need a real starting caliber point guard. So they did what they could to clear cap space because they didn't have all the connections to make real significant trades. It's hard enough to make trades in the NBA. So what they did is they dumped TJ where they could. They dumped Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton where they could um, so that they cleared enough room to sign Ricky Rubio. So while cash considerations is the ongoing joke and we make the joke amongst ourselves too, and that's Robert Sarver being Robert Sarver. And so you, he deserves all that shit that he gets. Goat all shit. The shit that those, yeah, all the goat <laughs> shit that, that, that drops in the, in the office. Um, Robert Sarver should have to eat it. I get it. Uh, we don't like him either as, a, as an owner. I've heard in the background he's a good guy. He donates like crazy, all this stuff. But, man, as a, as a business owner of the Suns, he's, he's awful. And I'm worried he's going to ruin this whole offseason. I'm really worried about that. But having said all that, so what James Jones did is he did like three transactions separately and nobody puts them together. So he got cap space from TJ Warren. He got cap space from cap space from Josh Jackson, signed Ricky Rubio, 
and now the Suns are better off and more balanced. And people don't really miss TJ in Phoenix unless he scores 53 points in a game. Really, he barely came up this year. And this is nothing against TJ. It's just that the Suns have Mikel Bridges. They have Cameron Johnson, who you'll see starting on Thursday against the Pacers, and who's a great three-point shooter and very functional in other areas. He's like a new Channing Fry type guy, um, for, for anyone who remembers him. Um, and then you've got, obviously, DeAndre Ayton in the middle. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so the Suns are okay, and Kelly Oubre in the wings, even though he's not playing in the bubble because of his knee issues. Um, uh, so you've got enough where TJ used to play that people don't miss him. So don't take it as a Suns fans are stupid that they don't miss TJ. They just have something that's just as good. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really great point to make. It's just about um, shifting of environments. You know, things change. That's, that's how the NBA works, you know. Uh, I'm happy pops for TJ. I really hope he scores 35 points in a, in a six-point loss. And I, you know, let's go 16-point win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> no, we're, we're, I, I'm, I'm confident in, in the Pacers in this game. But, actually, I think it's probably going to be the hardest matchup um, up until the Lakers game. I mean, obviously, Philly was tough. But um, there are definitely a lot of issues. Philly's weird because they've yeah. got a lot of negativity around them right now. None mm-hmm. of them believe – it looks like – I watched them against the Spurs yesterday. It oh, looks they like terrible. they don't believe in each other. Um, and so that's really hard. And the Suns have gone through the years like that. And I'm sure Indiana has gone through years like that in the past where they just didn't believe in each other. And you could tell there was just something wrong on the court. Um, and that's, that's true of the Suns in prior years. This year, every Phoenix Sun believes in each other and they're playing really well. They don't have the best talent in the game. Uh, and they're the youngest team in the bubble by age. Uh, but they're, they're playing well. And the fact that <clears throat> their bench came in and, mounted a 15-point comeback against the Mavericks before the fourth quarter had even started and then held the lead all fourth quarter. I think that says a lot about the, this team's resilience. So um, if they get down, if they get up, they're in a good mind space. So you've got to actually beat them with your talent. They're not going to beat themselves. Can Indiana beat the Suns? Of course they can. Probably a 75% chance that Indiana wins this game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the fact that it's a seventy-five percent chance instead of ninety-five percent chance is a is a boost for. That's a huge win for Phoenix, man. Like huge win, and that's not even trying to be a dick. That's just honest, like um, because you know my entire life. I mean, I'm I'm 23, so my entire time that I've been watching the NBA, your entire long life, yeah. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know what I mean. But like, I've been watching the NBA since what, like 2014. It was when I really got heavily invested. So the Suns Suns have been been terrible. The Suns have been, in, you know, obviously horrendous since then. Um, yeah. Barely scraped together 100 wins across all those seasons, if you exclude the 48 win year. Um, yep. But it's it's interesting to look at, actually, because the Pacers were actually one of the teams who almost got Ricky Rubio before the Malcolm Brogdon deal went through, and then Phoenix ends up signing Rubio. And it's actually really funny because Pacers fans were, like, adamant that they did not want Ricky Rubio, at least the majority of them. I think people don't realize how freaking good he is. Like, he's not yeah, he's not he's, somebody who's going to shoot so the lights out. He's not, key. like, an amazing right. finisher. But mm-hmm. the way that he sets up everything – I mean, Devin Booker just had his best offensive year because he finally had a competent point guard next to him. Mm-hmm. And I think people really underrate how important he is. And, I mean, this Phoenix team is a lot better than I think the record says. I mean, So what's interesting is that um, – and their, their skill sets are not exactly the same. So please don't hold me to this, like mm-hmm. what an idiot saying this. But 
Malcolm Brogdon is like a younger version of Ricky Rubio in I that, can see that he doesn't throw up the highlights all the time. He's not the greatest at any one thing, but he's so good at a lot of different things. He's a dude you want in, in your lineup to win games. He helped the Bucks win games. Bucks are still winning games without him, but he helps the Pacers win games. And you can just tell he doesn't do the highlights. He doesn't end up on Sports Center top ten or anything like that. Ricky should have for the nutmeg he had against uh, uh, one of the Mavs bigs the other night to, to feed Dario Saric that actually helped keep the Suns in the lead in the fourth quarter. What Ricky is great at is just low key, like he's he <clears throat> leading Spain to that World Cup victory uh, last summer. Seems like forever ago. Um, never too low, never too high. You know, just leading Spain, and 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 uh, he does that with the Suns. He was, he was the one who said, you know, he was the one who led that comeback with the bench guys because uh, Booker and, and, and Aiton were, were, were sitting with fouls. Uh, Ricky just stayed out there and just did his thing. And he had almost a triple-double himself. Nobody talks about it because I don't want to sound like somebody else right now by saying nobody talks about that. But people, he did not get any love for getting almost a triple-double because Luka Doncic was on the other side getting a 40-point triple-double. And by the way, can I take just a few minutes to say, God, you know, if anybody doesn't like how James Harden plays the game, then you are not going to like Luka Doncic. Exactly. I've been on that for a Dude while. Dude is a, bowel, a foul baiter like crazy. And uh, he just everything he does is with the intention to draw a foul. Um, it's just so frustrating. Um, and uh, But that's, you know, if he was on my team, I would absolutely love him. He should have been. Let's, we don't even need to talk about the – the draft <laughs> we won't we won't we would love luca if he was on our team of course but it's okay to hate him when he's not on your team you don't all have to love luca um just because he has a nice cute boy smile you know i mean he still is constantly talking to the refs he's constantly whining to the refs and he's basically james harden without a beard um but anyway you've got you've got um ricky rubio almost getting a triple double against the mavericks to help lead the Suns over an, and to an improbable win. Um, you're, you're probably not even going to notice him out there much on Thursday against the uh, Pacers-Suns game, but he's going to be a big difference maker for the Suns. He'll get two or three steals. He'll get about 10 assists. He'll make about 40% of his threes, and he'll make some layups uh, when, you, when you overplay him on the, on the, on the pick and roll. So um, he's going to make a big difference for the Suns. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see him play. Um, and I'm definitely really excited to see Devin Booker play as well. He's been I mean, just watching the Mavericks game. Some of the reads he's making out of the pick and roll, some of the passes he's making are incredible. Um, Aiton is so mobile. Like, I think a lot of times you think about a center seven foot tall. Uh, obviously just, you know, in space, especially in Pacers history, it's some plotting big man like Rick Smith's or Roy Hibbert. Um, definitely not Aiton's mold. Uh, his face-up game is really nice. I know that, so, you know, one of my friends who's a Suns fan gets a little bit on him because he's like, he wants him to take it to the bucket more, which I'm sure you'll have, have thoughts yeah, yeah. on that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, look, DeAndre Aiton, it's like, he's like a big kid. 
I mean, he's like a dude, a kid who's about 14 years old. He grew into his body too quickly. Um, and he doesn't know all the things he needs to do to dominate in the game. So he's learning one skill at a time. It's like one skill a year. So uh, first year, he learned how to uh, how to score around the basket and in the mid post. Uh, Igor Kokoshkov was his coach, and he learned how to be one of the most efficient uh, paint scorers in the game. He just didn't. He just wasn't told he had to do it by drawing fouls. And still, he set he set. Uh, it was a sixteen and eleven stat line as a as a rookie, and uh, one of the most efficient games for a rookie in history for a twenty year old. Then in year two, which is uh, 2.0 uh, with this past year, he learned how to play defense too. Um, and his defense is phenomenal. The only time he gets in trouble is when he gets foul-baited, actively foul-baited by somebody, and he's not in the right frame of mind. It happened to him against Milwaukee once this year, and now it happened on Saturday or Sunday night um, against the Mavericks. He rarely gets foul-baited, but when he does, it's uh, – He's out of the game entirely. So it's like he, if, if Indiana can draw two or three fouls on him in the first 15 minutes of play, uh, you won't have to worry about it in the rest of the game. However, if he can get through the first half, which he almost always does 90% of the time, with only one or two fouls, then he's good to go, and he's better in the second half than the first half. He just grows into the game. He eases into the game. And now in season 2.1 is what I'll call it here in the bubble, He's added the three-point shot. He'll only take one or two a game. It's not that big a deal. But um, it's just another thing he's added. And then I'm guessing next year <clears throat> he'll add the drawing fouls part. It's so freaking easy to draw fouls in the NBA. All you got to do is go into a, a defender's body when he doesn't have his feet set and his hips face uh, the other way. That's all you got to do to draw a foul. Um, and he's just got to turn that light on. It's like he's turning on new lights in the house, like you're buying a new house. And every room you go into, you're like, I don't know what's in this room. Turn on the light. Oh, it's not so scary once I see the, you know, right? That's DeAndre Ayton with his game in the NBA. So on Thursday, when you guys play the Pacers, you'll see DeAndre Ayton almost certainly won't get to the free throw line or try to draw a foul. But he'll probably score 20 points. He'll probably get 10, 12 rebounds, and he'll probably block a couple of shots. And you guys will probably wonder how he got so mobile on defense. Um, will he be the difference maker in the game? Probably not. Hopefully he will. Uh, and that's what Suns fans get Suns fans get frustrated with because he's got the capacity to do a 40-20 game anytime he wants. The problem is he doesn't always want to on offense, um, but he is he does take pride in his defense. So I'm really curious to see how he does against Indiana's uh, ball movement. You guys have great ball movement, and uh, you require other teams to switch defensively constantly. And I'm looking forward to Aiden being that mobile big who can stay out there. Um, so we'll see how that game goes. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a really fun game. My question to you, I've got a question about um, <clears throat> what do you, what are you thinking about Vic, Victor Oladipo, and um, tell me you guys' current status on Miles Turner. Yeah, so it's actually really funny. So with Vic, um, I, I guess I don't want to say I'm impartial, but I was, I didn't obviously did not make it, you know, completely professional, but I was working on a pro boxing career, so my. I, I can kind of understand the athlete's life a little bit because I fell out due to injury and everything. Um, the way that Vic has handled things has definitely been weird. Um, but I, I do think that he's a great guy. I really like him. I think he's huge for the Indiana community. He's a really good, good person. When he's healthy, he's a great player. Um, he's definitely not back fully as a player. I, I think we've seen flashes of it. 
Um, I know he's for sure playing against Phoenix because he's not playing back-to-backs right now. So he sat out yesterday so that he can play against Orlando today, and he will likely play against Phoenix on Thursday. Um, I, I think if the Pacers are going to be a contender, A, still one piece away, but B, I mean, Vic has to be 100%. He's got to be the best player. Nobody else is going to, you know, not to be that pessimistic guy, but nobody else is coming to Indiana that is going to be better than Victor Oladipo was in 2018. So he asked me back to that. Hey, that was a hell of a that oh, was a hell of a that season was him incredible. And, yeah, him and uh, Demontis Sabonis. Oh, we got lucky with that. In freaking incredible. Yeah, I I I think partially, you know, I wouldn't, I I don't think Kevin Pritchard would ever say it, but I think part of it might have just been luck of the draw a little bit. Like obviously it was a sure. great trade, great maneuver, and uh, seeing that you could get somebody. I mean, two guys who have potential to fit in your system, but for two them to both play out the way that they did was. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, there's definitely they had luck been, in that. They had been traded together to mm-hmm. Oklahoma City um, and didn't do well, that well in Oklahoma City because they hadn't really found their game. It wasn't a great fit. And so that they were traded as a package again to Indiana, people kind of rode off going, oh, well, at least they got something. They got a couple of rotation guys. Good for them. You know, Paul George wanted out. But um, man, to, to turn that into two All Stars, because isn't, I'm sorry, uh, is Vic an All Star yet? Yeah, yeah, he's been he yeah, was all NBA, all NBA twenty eighteen. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, I was just talking myself out of it. I knew that. <laughs> and then uh, Demontis just made it this past year. Yeah, and unfortunately, he won't be in the bubble, as far as I'm aware. Um, it, he's yeah, he's listed as guy, like right? you know, yeah, he's less listed yeah. as he might come back he's indefinite. But um, I mean, he he didn't even practice at all in the bubble or in Indiana. Yeah. So I'm not anticipating anticipating. And what do you guys? Back. What you guys' uh, takes on Miles Turner now? I. I like Miles Turner. I think that there are definitely some flaws in his game. Uh, but I, th- you know, he, as you're aware with NBA Twitter, it's a total shit show. Um, so I think the flaws in his game get blown up out of proportion. And uh, sometimes the things that he's really good at don't, I mean, he's one of the best five rim protectors in the league easily. He's not great against awesome, really strong post players. So that's why I'm interested to see, uh, how Aiton plays against him. I know he's more of a – saying finesse can have like a – people take that the wrong way sometimes. But, yeah, I mean, he's not going to totally bang you in the post. And try Neither and of them is going to get the other into foul trouble. As well. Exactly. And without DeMontis playing, who did get people into foul trouble, Aiton might be okay on that end. And, I'm look, I don't want to paint it as Aiton gets himself in foul trouble because he almost never does. All I'm saying is – if you ever want him to be mentally checked out of a game, get three fouls on him by mid-second quarter, and he will be. Yeah, and Domas is great at doing that to people. Right. But uh, he's not playing, so um, we'll see. We'll see. I think, um, look, I'm a Suns fan, so I'm going to say the game is closer than than Pacers fans want it to be. Um, I think TJ is definitely going to get his 30 points. I think he – Oh, well, let me ask you about TJ. So, TJ, do you think there was uh, one of our one of a one of my favorite sons follows on Twitter had an observation that TJ hates the limelight so much that he might be playing so well because you're in the bubble because he doesn't have to worry about fans and hmm. cheering and all that and it's just such a self-contained environment that this might be like TJ's like perfect situation what do you think of that that's funny i uh you know i hadn't thought about that i think that's that's interesting to look at i know even when he got uh when he was given an interview after the sixers game he, i think he only talked for like 30 seconds he wasn't 
super into it, you know, that's him. Yeah. Uh, and he's a really humble dude. He's always really, really fast and low. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, um, no, I think it's interesting because his game is definitely expanded. I think he's improved his ball handling a little bit just since uh, the hiatus. I mean, he's he yeah. definitely has taken some strides, so I'm really excited. Um, I think, yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that, though. He seems like somebody to me who it, you could just walk into a gym. There's not even fans them. cheering, you know. It's like I don't even – I don't think they pipe the cheering into the game itself. I think they only put that on the broadcasts. I'm not sure about that. I I, I don't think no the idea. players hear the the like a lot of the especially the national broadcast. There's a mum, there's a rumble of fan noise just being piped in. So yeah, it it's kind like of annoying. Music. I don't know what you think about. it. I'm like not a huge it. fan of it. I don't like it at all. I think it's cool that they have actual fans on the on the LEDs. You know, like mm-hmm. in their in their homes cheering. I think that's kind of cool. Um, but I don't like the piped in noise. I'd rather just hear the players and the coaches. Although I've heard that. You could, you'd have to have like a seven second delay if you did the players and coaches, and then it wouldn't line up with the play. Yeah, because um, of all the swearing that goes on. Yeah, see, I would literally, I would pay like an extra fifty dollars just for league pass just so that I could hear the swearing. I don't care. Yeah, right. Let me hear everything, right? Like I don't care. Right. Just give me the exclusive league pass version. Could actually, have sold that exactly. I package. would buy that. The the unfiltered yes, will unfiltered noise sounds of the game. I would, that would be freaking awesome. And I would have paid too. I already paid for the whole season. So my league pass gets extended, but I'd pay an extra 50 just to hear the unfiltered. Uh, but so I can imagine TJ just basking in this. It's like just being in a gym, right? His profile has always said where, you know, location in a gym. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is like his perfect world. So I, I love, love TJ. Um, he started disappearing a lot toward the end there with injuries, weird injuries. Um, and he didn't come back as fast as people wanted. And so there's probably some friction with front office. I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, but I really hope if he's thriving and he feels good about things that he's going to be great for you guys. Um, just don't expect a lot of passing and don't, don't expect a lot of anything but scoring and occasional steals. Hey, he's getting, he's getting better with passing. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I got one last question for you before I get you out of here, man. Uh, just what what does a successful bubble look like uh, for Phoenix? What is so what I went into this. I went into this saying three and five or four and four is a successful bubble because people kept saying the Suns are just they shouldn't even be there. Um, and I'm just so excited the Suns are actually pretty much healthy. They can't. They don't have Aaron Baines right now recovering from that um and then kelly Oubre is sitting out because of his knee so they're not but they're as healthy as they've been almost all this season which mm-hmm. is funny to say this has been a really um painful season for the suns injury wise um and i just love watching them play well so three and five four and four i thought would be a really successful bubble but now that they started two and oh if you end up three and five then obviously it went really poorly so i'd say five and three now Five and three. I don't expect them to be like the miracle team that makes the makes the playoffs at a one in ten thousand chance. Uh, but I'd like to see them compete in every game. Um, they'll probably end up with a couple of coulda, shoulda, woulda losses. Uh, and uh, if they finish five and three, I'll be ecstatic. Um, they came in with twenty six wins on the season. Uh, they haven't hit. They haven't broken a thirty win season in like five years. So I wouldn't mind having a 30 on their, on their official record uh, coming out of this. And that just takes four wins. So anything like that, I'm happy. I can definitely see that happening. What about so, you? What's a success oh, for, for us? the Pacers? 
out of the first round. That's the goal. Obviously, Second it's tough with, without Sabonis. It's going to be hard. Um, but the way that the team's been playing way better. I mean, like a, a week and a half ago, um, I was basically just talking about this team starting to get youth movement, you know, getting like Aaron Holiday more playing time and uh, just trying to stay healthy and, and stay ready for next year. We didn't think Vic was going to play. Um, oh, what a, what a difference a week makes, man, and a win <laughs> against the Sixers. So, yeah, no, I think just if we can beat the Heat in the first round, because right now it looks like that's where it's headed, um, that's probably ideal. And then we can get shellacked by the Bucks in the second round. But, you know, <laughs> the first round's important. Getting out of the first round, because we've been in the first round three straight years, haven't made it out. So, Well, let me hope. tell you, the, the worst possible thing, and this is just being a Suns fan, worst possible thing that can happen is that the the dead corpses of the Spurs end up in the freaking playoffs in the eighth seed to continue their 22-year streak in the in the playoffs, they're somehow two and one, almost three and zero oh, until Shake Milton hit a big uh, three yesterday, and um, they 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 should be dead and buried. Uh, so I that would I hope for if, if it comes down to it, the Suns beat out the Spurs for uh, a play-in game for the for the playoffs. Uh, but other than that, I'm really really happy with the bubble overall, and I think we're very lucky to have NBA basketball. Back. Oh, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Uh, well, hey, I mean, only a game and a half back of the nine seed, so it's it's doable, man. We'll see. It is doable. It really, <laughs> it it's, really is. You know, it's two games ago, I wouldn't have said it, teams. but now it's like I, I'm rooting for Phoenix. I really hope it happens. So, we'll, yeah, it's uh, it's looking the, the the suns are out. You know, so we'll see. We should do a we should do a post game or not not right after necessarily, but we should do a, a recap of the Suns Indiana Pacers game and see what we think after we saw them play each other. Yeah, man, I'd love to. That'd be a blast. Cool. All right. I'll hit you up then. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you at? I'm at Dave King NBA, and that's not because I'm full of myself on Twitter. Uh, it's not because I'm full of myself. It's just that I had uh, covered an all-star game once, and I wanted to not just be with the Suns for that. So um, and then I never switch it back because then I got the little blue check, and then uh, the, you don't, you're not allowed to switch up after that. So Dave, at Dave King NBA on Twitter and then brightsideofthesun.com is our SB Nation site for the Suns and the Sun Solar Panel is the uh, podcast I do every week with with a couple of other guys so um, I'm kind of all over the Suns arena so I appreciate you having me on here man yeah well thanks for coming on I appreciate it uh, to everyone listening at home thank you for listening be sure to go follow Dave. Uh, go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify and read us over at IndieCornrows.com. Have a good rest of your day.